Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia. We are the millennial movie movement. And I, of course, am your host, Becky Teller, back at it with more movie content for you every Friday for 13 weeks per season. We are doing it again. And I, I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room real quick. I am a little bit low energy. And I'll be honest with you guys, I it's a lot to do with you know, personal stresses in my life, but it also, I think just the world feels heavy (laughs) recently. And I just, you know, between everything that's going on in the news right now, and part of me is angry, you know, with the recent shooting at a grocery store and everything going on with Roe v. Wade. And it just kind of feels like, There's a lot to be upset about um, and a lot to be angry about. And I think it's definitely taking its toll on me over here. Um, And I I was going to wait to put out this interview, but I think now is a good time. And I mean that for a couple different reasons. First and foremost, we have Ben Mio McRae on the show who is an incredibly talented actor and producer. Um, But not only that, but we are talking about a Spike Lee joint. Um, Now, I'll be honest, it was my first ever Spike Lee film. um, And I do recognize, especially after going through my, like, film education, that I have a certain perspective that I view cinema through, which is different than, you know, for example, the African-American perspective. And so in looking at black cinema, I am very aware of the fact that I am viewing it with a certain amount of privilege and a certain amount of non-understanding of certain, you know, kind of racial problems that I haven't had to go through. And so keeping that in mind, I we are talking about do the right thing first and foremost. And I think this film is so raw and delicate and really beautiful and and gritty all at the same time. I think it's so masterfully done. And it was made in 1989. And I thought to myself, wow, this was ahead of its time, but it's it's not. And you know, the the themes in this film are still prevalent today, unfortunately, um, for some of the aspects. And, and for some of the aspects, you know, is wonderful. You know, a sense of community and, you know, those elements I think are really beautiful that they stay true to, I think, now. But also a lot of the darker elements are still there too. And so it felt like especially with my current state of mind about everything, this just felt like the right kind of thing to do. And so I know I've been, you know, kind of on a soapbox and and chatting and kind of spewing my feelings about things. Um, but I'll be honest, it, it feels nice to kind of get it out. And um, obviously I'm going to stop talking now so that you can just listen to the interview. Um, but I hope that maybe, you know, you were feeling the same way too. And maybe it feels a little bit better to know that somebody else is feeling that way. I don't know. But anyway, (laughs) without further ado, my interview with Ben Mio McRae about his favorite film, Do the Right Thing. Enjoy. 
Scopophilia. It's the newest thing to hit the market. Defined as deriving aesthetic pleasure from looking at something, it's the new craze sweeping the nation. Taken in large doses, side effects can include an addictive nature to have more film content. If this increase occurs, consult no one and keep listening. Hey there, Scopophiliacs, and welcome back to another episode of Scopophilia, the podcast. And I'm nervous about this one, but I'm also super excited, um, not only because of the movie, but because we have the wonderful and talented Ben Mio McRae, who I love your name. It's so, has such a great flow to it, first Thanks and foremost. So Thank you so much. Good to be <laughs> here course. with you guys. Absolutely. We're happy to have you here. And so... First and foremost, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's the weather? <laughs> oh, Los Angeles. It's uh, sunny and warm, you know? It's uh, it's La La Land, like the movie. <laughs> 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 you know, L.A. is always pretty consistently nice. Um, you know, I miss my East Coast digs, and I miss the East yeah. Coast energy and flair mm. of being in New York. I grew up in Philly. Oh, um, okay. So, you know, uh, I'm a Philly kid and, uh, you know, I guess my heart's always with the East Coast, but I love the West Coast. It has its uh, plenty of pros to, for you sure. know, to relish in. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And so for people who maybe aren't familiar with your name or it's not clicking for them, tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do and, you know, all of the good things that you're involved in. Um, Ben Mio McRae. Ben Mio, Ben Mio is a Hebrew Spanish name. Ben in Hebrew means, uh, son and Mio in Spanish means my, so mm -hmm. my son. Um, my mother came up with that combination and, uh, I didn't like it as a kid so much growing up cause you got teased a lot, but, uh, I've grown into it and grown to love it. Uh, I'm glad to have that name. Um, I'm an actor, a filmmaker. Uh, a husband, a father. Uh, I I I love uh, film. I love working in in and on films. Um, uh, you know, I started out as an actor. I went to a performing arts high school in Philadelphia, uh, Kappa Creative and Performing Arts in Philly. Um, is very much like the Fame School in New York. <laughs> uh, our own our own Philly version. Right. <laughs> um, and we have a lot, I mean, we have a lot of alumni, famous alumni. So uh, a lot of talent uh, has come out of the school. And that was my kind of orientation into the business uh, as an actor. And also as a, early on as a dancer, um, when I first started out, I did a lot of dancing, had a ballet scholarship uh, with a couple of different companies. Um, that uh, foundation led me to go to school at Syracuse. Um, I was in the musical theater program uh, with uh, classmates such as Vanessa Williams and the writer Aaron Sorkin. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> they were contemporaries. So we, we were all in, in dance tights together back, at, <laughs> back, back in the day. Um, uh, so it was, um, that, that was, man, that's going way back. It's I can almost hardly remember back then. It's like uh, 80s, early 80s when mm -hmm. I went to college. 
Um, but Syracuse was a, was an amazing school, particularly that program because it was, you know, one of the more um, I don't know, famous, one of the known known schools. It's like going to any of the league schools, but it was a known school um, that uh, just had a strong education, both theatrically and musically and in dance and you get to combine all that into a great program so i was happy to go there um and and that's kind of where i all started where it all started you know i got my equity card while i was still in in um college um, amazing so, yeah yeah i was very lucky i was in a play called uh, the tooth of crime by sam shepherd and that went from syracuse stage um to New York off Broadway. And that, oh, wow. that was, that was my start. Wow. So, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been an interesting, uh, number of years, you know, with a lot of twists and turns. Um, you know, I started off <clears throat> acting in New York, living in hell's kitchen, you know, pounding the pavement, trying to get acting work, waiting tables, you know, all of that. You yeah, <laughs> know, uh, typical actor um, history, um, and you know, I got some bit parts here and there. Uh, television didn't quite happen as quickly as I wanted to, and then eventually I kind of morphed into filmmaking, which um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about this film, "Do the Right Thing," you know. Um, which happened what late eighties, um, yeah, eighty nine. Um, so this, uh, I went to NYU film, uh, through their intensive program, uh, very much on the, the notion that, you know, Spike had gone to NYU. (laughs) Um, uh, but even you know that was seeing seeing do the right thing was was before film was even a thought in my mind. It was mm. it was a film that kind of exploded, I think, in the consciousness of a lot of um, African American um, moviegoers because it it allowed you to explore black life in a way that was that was real and it wasn't stereotypical and it dealt with real issues and it showed black love and it you know. Uh, and the film work, you know, the filmmaking was um, exemplary as well, just in terms of um, the shots and how, you know, where he chose to put the camera, how it was lit, the production design. I mean, if you can, you can go down the list of this movie and every aspect was done in such a masterful way. Um, that's what I love about it. And it, yeah. and, uh, you know, if without Spike, you know, there's no Spike, there's no Ryan Coogler, there's no, you know, all yeah. of, all of um, the filmmakers that have come after Spike, you know, really owe, I think, uh, Spike uh, a lot, you know, in terms yeah. of. No, absolutely. The path that I he mean, has blazed and the, the minds uh, that he has fired up, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, that was kind of, you know, the first question that I had was, you know, why this film, as opposed to any other film that you could choose? Um, Because, and I think one of the things that you're saying is like, it's, you know, masterful and it's 
kind of like being a fly on the wall in the neighborhood without feeling intrusive, which I think is really kind of lovely. Yeah, he um, he captured he really captured. I mean, I want to say he captured the time, but he captured life uh, mm. in a, in such a real way. And this movie is as relevant now as it ever has been. You know, it's, oh my gosh, it's, yeah. sadly, you know, it's like not much has really changed. Um, you can go back before the movie. You know, nothing has really changed. Right. You know, in this country, all that much um, uh, politically, and you know, in terms of uh, police violence and all, and all that, and mm. in terms of. Uh, you know, r- racial um, tensions. Um, it's an ever uh, constant uh, tension, you know, yeah. I think, un- that lies underneath everything in the fabric of our country, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, why this is such a, uh, an important film, it, it to me, it was important because it was a, just in terms it shifted my focus or it made, uh, you know, this came along, this was Spike, you know, was at the beginning of the independent film movement, you know, mm, um, mm-hmm. we talked about Tarantino or, or, um, clerks, or you can go down the list of all these, all the early independent films and, uh, writer directors, you know, having a voice oh, yeah. and Spike's voice was just so, loud and um and clear you know oh yeah uh but it's important to me because it really did open open my mind to the possibility of filmmaking so i think um there's a lot of filmmakers probably who who, who've seen spike's work that probably previously had not even thought about film and say oh you could see spike you saw spike do it well, if Spike can do it, then obviously right. I, I, I can do it, right? Or yeah. it gives you the seed the seed to kind of grow from. No, absolutely. And I mean, so let's also um let's also talk about like the film itself. You know, what is kind of the for people who haven't seen it, because I'll be honest, it was my first time seeing a Spike Lee in general, which is nuts to me in general. Um, but you know, for people who haven't necessarily seen do the right thing. What would you say is kind of like the shortest synopsis that you could give about this movie, which feels like a big task now that I'm really thinking about it. Well, it it it, it takes place on the hottest day of the year. You know, things t- tend to kind of uh, happen when things get hot, and it's about the racial tension, the underlying racial tension in a black neighborhood, Brooklyn neighborhood, um, between. Uh, uh, I was going to say uh, Italian um, American, um, but di- if, if you see uh, the behind the scenes um, documentary about the making of this movie, Danny, Danny Aiello always calls himself an American Italian. He puts, <laughs> right. the, he puts the American first. Um, but it's about, so it's about, the, you know, the tent, the underlying tensions between uh, the residents of a black Brooklyn neighborhood and the owners of an Italian pizza parlor um, on the hottest day of the year and, and um, how things 
spiral kind of out of control and into violence and um, uh, tragedy, ultimately. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And I mean, that. I think that's a, a very beautiful way of putting it because it does have so many other deep layers involved with everything that comes with that on top of it. But it's also, it has these really lovely, like familial moments and like a little bit of comedy, but it also like really punches you in the gut by the end of like what it's really trying to say. Does that make sense? It's powerful. What Spike really does well in this film, even just the way he opens the film, um, Man, every little aspect. He, he opens the film with um, um, the like the Black National Anthem, and that goes into Public Enemy. The Public Enemy is kind of like an ongoing uh, thematic um, musical thread throughout the film that always kind of leads you back to that aspect of the film and a particular character, Radio Rahim. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like the first, the way that he introduces each character, um, is so full. Like the first 20, it's like the first 20 minutes of the film, he's introducing every, all the, all the different characters in the movie. And it's not like, he does it such a, in such an organic way that yeah. it's not like, um, it's not like it's done in exposition, you know, like where you're talking and this is so and so and this is so right. and so. It's you're seeing the way that these people, um, these characters, um, live and breathe in their day to day, and it just happens so or- organically in that first twenty minutes. Usually, usually, you know, the first ten minutes of the film, you're like, if you think about film structure, or whatever, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting like the premise and this, how you how you get into this film, the, the way Spike gets, it takes the first 20, 20 minutes or so to kind of just introduce you to the world is, is really beautiful. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, and you're right. There's something really beautiful about like the cinematography in this film where it's a lot of like these kind of like rolling shots and like the camera is moving in, but in very like, not necessarily like a handheld feel, but like a very, we're just observers in this neighborhood. And like the neighborhood is almost a character in itself throughout the piece. Totally. I mean, Ernest Dickerson, uh, his cinematography is incredible. Ernest is now, you know, director, but all, you know, his early work was with Spike you know, uh, do the right thing, knock him X, and the list goes on. Um, you know, Ernest is, is a, a master with light. And then uh, so much, so many of the shots, you know, Spike has a particular way of, of um, framing things that there's, is kind of different than other filmmakers, you yeah. know. Um, and so there's a lot of these, um, close-ups in, in the, the way he does his montages it's just um it, it's like a heightened reality I'd yeah want, i'd want to say you know it's real the overall situation in the film is very real but there's a heightened reality to a spike lee movie well particularly this one um 
uh, in the way that it's constructed. No, for sure. And I mean, there's, there's definitely, and it is interesting because so you have like the neighborhood who kind of forms like an initial character. And then there's also dozens of characters that we are immediately introduced to. And sometimes you kind of lose track of like, I don't necessarily remember their name, but like, you know them immediately and you remember them throughout the rest of the time that you're watching this film. And it's like, obviously you have like your main players, which are like Mookie Mm -hmm. and Sal and his kids Mm -hmm. and, you know, mother, sister and the mayor. So like you have like kind of a baseline of like, okay, I know these people are people that I'm going to pay attention to closely. Like they're the main players, but the whole neighborhood kind of ends up being main players in the story too. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, I didn't realize that they had constructed, um, a lot of the sets in, in the, in the movie. Right. (laughs) Everything looks so, uh, believable and real. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily know that they, that they, from the ground up, built the pizza parlor, built the uh, Korean market and the radio station. But, you know, I think the way that, um, Spike put it together, all happening on this one block, I mean, sure it helped them, um, with their schedule, you know, the way that they didn't have to, <laughs> they didn't have to change location right. or anything, you know, <laughs> that, you know, you could shoot it like you're on a back lot. And, um, it allowed him to fill the frame, every frame, with so much information and um, uh, I want to say it, just, it allowed him to strengthen each frame by having all of these characters that lived on the block in every yeah. frame. In every frame, so it was, it was like I want to say it's like Big Brother. But it, you really, you know. Yeah, it's immersive. Yeah, totally immersed in that world. Yeah. And so you're talking about all the different different characters. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you, um, the way that Spike put it together is, and it, and it's probably different if you, you know, if you live in middle America or whatever, but if you lived in a, a major city um, like, New York or Philly or, you know, mm-hmm. Chicago, any, any of the major cities. And you, you see these characters, um, you know, the guys that are hanging out in the corner or the Korean market, the pe- I mean, well, every place has a pizza parlor, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you, I want to say there's stereo and it's not necessarily stereotypes, but you're seeing, um, um, the type of people that you would normally encounter in your daily life, right? Yeah. Um, no, for sure. And so it, it, it gives you a, 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 I think, gives the film a framework from which to kind of um, go from. But what I, like I said, what I love about the film is it allowed, um, you know, us black folks to see our see representations of ourselves in ways that had not really happened before that time in in the telling of i mean very rarely do we get to see ourselves in a realistic light like that and so you know that relationship relationship between uh the mayor and mother sister um 
sometimes cantankerous, but um, very tender underneath. Um, and, you know, uh, the mayor has lived through uh, hurt and disappointments and and so has mother sister and there's that um, you know uh, divide between and and um, between you know black men and, and and women and so there's that part of their relationship that's mm-hmm. kind of explored in it I you know it was it was uh, Amazing that Spike uh, cast Ozzy Davis and Ruby D, you know, who were married for, right. <laughs> I think, more than 50 years when they did that movie. Or, I think so, or yeah. Darn near close. A long time. Yeah. So they had a really rich uh, relationship in real life to kind of infuse into those characters. Um you know, Spike has always done an amazing job in his casting. Um, you know, not only uh, does he choose really great actors, but he's also been been a real star maker. You know? Oh my goodness! You know, this cast is stellar. I mean, every time somebody else came on the screen, I was like, I know them. I know them. I know. Them. I know yeah, them. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, I think. So Martin, I think Martin Lawrence and and um, Rosie Perez, they were introduced in in the movie, right? You know, um, and then you could you really can go down the, the list of actors in here. You know, you get you get uh, Danny Aiello, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, Giancarlo Esposito, who's oh. ama- amazing, yeah, um, Bill Nunn, John Turturro, who's had an amazing career. Uh, Roger Guinevere Smith is is still doing amazing work. Um, uh, Samuel Jackson is Sam, in it. Sam, Sam Jackson, Frank <laughs> Paul Benjamin. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a, a cornucopia of, of great acting. Absolutely. I had to do a double take when this film opened, and Samuel L. Jackson had those glasses on. I was like, is that? Is that Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody's just so young and like, you know, obviously they're already talented and just to see them so young in this kind of setting is just so kind of exciting for me who's seen like their like Giancarlo Esposito obviously Breaking Bad like blew up and you know obviously he's iconic now in those kinds of roles and to see him in this kind of role was so different and I was like whoa <laughs> yeah he's a real vers- really versatile um, actor and, yeah and it's interesting he's Italian yeah <laughs> you know it's like you know black Italian it's like um, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know right um what else? What else? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of my next point here. What I, you know, another thing I liked about uh, the movie, uh, you know, Spike got his whole family involved. Really? Know? Yeah. Um, his father did the the score. Billy did the score. Oh wow! <laughs> and of course, his sister Joa is in it, uh, playing his sister in the movie. Right. 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 Um, so. So that's a that's a really cool um, 
thing about the movie too is that he involves his whole family. Yeah. I think it, it kind of ties into like what the film does with the characters on the block. Cause they kind of act like a family a little bit in some aspects. And then in other aspects, they're like, just like tense with each other, like depending on your ethnicity, which really, you know, kind of plays a major factor in terms of how these characters interact with each other. And I did, I did want to ask you in terms of like the language that's used in this movie, for example, because it's very, huh? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously the use of the N word in this film is crazy, but also in terms of the, the dialogue feels very natural. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like totally. These, these (laughs) characters, these are real characters, you know? Oh yeah. And, and, and again, that gets back to, um, uh, the casting too, you know, just mm-hmm. the way choosing Dan, Danny Aiello to to play Sal, um, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot of Sal in Danny Aiello, you mm. know, uh, yeah, and you know, New York is New York, and you you have uh, when you're picking actors that are from, and a lot of them are, you know, from from New York. Um, you're going to get that uh, some of it organic, some of that uh, organically. You know? mm. uh, but I have to say, you know, Spike wrote an amazing script. Oh yeah. Um, you know, cause all of that is on the page. Which is just mind boggling to me because it does feel, it almost feels like this whole movie is improvised. Because everyone is, you know, speaking over each other in a very natural, realistic kind of way. But then on top of it to think that, like, he wrote the script in two weeks. Like, there are words on paper that you can go back and see for this movie. <laughs> he, he got a download. You oh, know. man. It, was, it must have been, you know, it was divine, divinely. Uh, for sure. <laughs> intervention, you know. No, 100%. Uh, and so, you know, when that the mind meets the muse like that and it just comes to life, you know, he he had great collaborators to kind of help uh, flesh out that vision. But he's, you know, he has a strong and has always had a very strong vision about how he sees his films. And I was uh, fortunate enough to work with him uh, directly uh, on one of his movies. Um, really? How was it? Was it uh, amazing? So I, yeah. uh, I worked on uh, Summer of Sam with, <gasps> oh, with him. Yeah. I was a location scout on that movie, so I, uh, I found I think most of the major locations in that movie. But I, you know, it was great to be on set with him uh, and riding around in the van, and you know, yeah, well, and working with he... them a lot. Yeah, I mean, did you get to kind of see like? him doing like directing and stuff and oh, absolutely like, yeah how was that uh, like what was that energy like tell me about it <laughs> well like i said he has a very uh strong uh viewpoint and uh he hmm, he's fluid yeah he's fluid he's fluid but he's at the same time he you know he's he's very uh specific about what he wants hmm. so um it's interesting. Ellen Kuras was the cinematographer mm-hmm. uh, on that particular film. It was in, it was interesting. It was a little different um, 
watching him at work with uh, Ellen and the way they constructed shots. But again, Spike is drawn to um, good talent and he's, you know. Definitely open, has an open, eye. He has an eye and, you know, uh, they did some really amazing work on that movie as well. And I'm just happy that I got to participate uh, in at least one of his projects. Yeah, for sure. So let me go ahead. No. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I mean, this is and I, I kind of prefaced this before we started of like, I'm a white woman. I will never necessarily understand this experience. Um, like as an African American person, I will never know that. And so coming into this movie, I was a little frightened in terms of how do I speak about this in a way and how do I understand this film in a way that helps me relate to it? Maybe that's not the right way of speaking to it. But in terms of the the content of this film, I was so interested to kind of hear you speak about it in a way that maybe I would be able to understand it more. Because there are some times when I was watching this film that I felt a little conflicted but also trying to see, you know, both sides of things and like be very open-minded in terms of the content. I don't know. It's, it feels like a very big well, discussion. <laughs> it, it can be. I think um, he does. I think Spike does a great job at showing all sides of it. You know, yeah. I think you do get to go inside uh, each of the families where you get to go inside Mookie's relationship with, uh, Tina and you see him with his his son mm. and um uh and, and obviously you see uh Sal's family and you see here all those perspectives that they have and I think I don't think you have to uh be any kind of way in taking in a film I mean you're going to you're going to watch it from your own experience and kind of mm. get get from it what you get from it and relate to it and however you relate to it right yeah but, um i think the themes are universal i think you know prejudice is is always kind of a part of our conversation you know uh whether or not you're a prejudiced person uh i think people in general have certain maybe biases or mm. proclivities and um, it allows you to maybe confront your own ideas or own, your own thoughts um, in ways that maybe you wouldn't have before seeing the film. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely felt like, and and I try to be a very open-minded person in, you know, and and putting out love. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that person and like, there's a lot of like racism and prejudice in this country. And I do not want to be a part of that necessarily, but I did find myself kind of confronting dis different aspects of this movie in different ways, which I found very interesting just from my Such own. As? Well, like, um, like Sal's pizza, like Sal himself as a character, I understand wanting your business to thrive and feeling like you've kind of made a home in this neighborhood even if it's with, you know, different people from your own home neighborhood. And, but I also understand why 
um, like bug me out is really, you know, offended by the fact that there aren't African-American people on the wall of fame when he owns a pizza place in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. Yeah. So, like, well, you know how yeah. Sal's been, Sal's been there, you know, throughout a long period of time. So the yeah. neighborhood has changed, you know, and that's the thing about, um, uh, the changing face of neighborhoods, you know, uh, Harlem, you know, itself used to be white, then it went black, and now mm-hmm. it's kind of the new Upper West Side. It's like, yeah, it, it's you know the 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 cycle of gentrification um, is always seemingly the same. Mm. Um, we talk about white flight, and you know. Uh, that's happened in a lot of the major cities, like so center cities, where whatever city you're in, whether it's Philadelphia or Chicago, you'll go uh, New York, you'll go through these periods where, um, you know, whites will go out to the suburbs and the cities, you know, will become, um, you know, ethnically dominated. And then at a certain point, you know, artists will come in and, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be lofts or, um, art galleries or whatever and then it become hip and then it becomes the place to go back to and then so then it's the cycle reverses you know uh ethnic uh ethnic uh majorities that are living in this in the cities will be forced out uh and then the whites come back in it's just you know that's a part of the cycle you know the other the other aspect of um this movie, which, you know, sadly, again, is um, ever too um, salient is, you know, just, you know, police violence and, yeah. um, you know, uh, you know, this film, I think, is he, um, you know, dedicates it to Michael Griffiths and, you know, uh, you know, Michael Stewart, mm. uh, uh, it's like the Howard Beach incident, uh, in New York, uh, was, a, was a big part of, I think, Spike's mindset when he was writing this. And then also, um, you know, that, that incident was revolved around violence around a pizza parlor. Um, right. And, uh, and, and so, I, you know, Spike took parts of reality and infused it into the film. And, and that reality is still with us today. We're still facing yeah. all of the same issues and all the same problems, um, you know, uh, you know, right up to, you know, to George Floyd and how that exploded. Uh, on a national scale, you know the uh, you know the Howard Beach incident, kind of being the, the linchpin to this story and how things exploded on the one block in a in a pizza parlor, and then um, you know you have uh, George Floyd doing the same thing, but on a national yeah. level. Um, where, you know, there's just uh, a breakdown. Yeah. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a testament to how well 
Spike has told the film, but it's also um, a shame that we're still facing the same things. Yeah, and I was thinking about that too, like especially towards the end. Um, you know, when a new day kind of comes up, of you know, it's kind of he's kind of distilled this element of our society into this picture. And I kept thinking like, wow, this was so like ahead of its time. And it's like, it wasn't, which is kind of the heartbreaking thing of like, that was still there. It's not like he was saying, oh, this could be a problem in the future. It's, it was a problem at the time, which is another thing to kind of be like, oh, damn, like, how is it still like this? And how is it that this is still so prevalent in today? And you're right, like it's it's the George Floyd situation, but on a national scale. It, I just, yeah, it just makes me angry. And like, I don't know what to do about that. And I don't know, I feel like having these conversations and like bringing up this movie again is is kind of a good place to start. For me, anyway, in my experience. Yeah, I, well, anyone who hasn't seen this movie, I think, should see it. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I know you referenced uh, or had asked, you know, what's my favorite part of, about yeah. this film? Well, that's a question that you asked your, your guests a lot, is like, what's your favorite part of the movie? And yeah. I, I'd have to say, like, as a, it'd be similar similar to being a parent like saying what's your favorite child it's like <laughs> i don't <laughs> there's so many uh amazing aspects of this movie and it's hard to take any one uh and and you know pull it out it's like um, all the ingredients are mixed so perfectly that you know you would miss Right. You would miss something, you know, if one, if, if the frame wasn't there, you know? Um, yeah. But I do, you know, I do like, uh, the way that he has, um, constructed the story and again, um, given voice to the black experience, uh, overall, I love the relationship between, um, uh, the mayor and, and mother, sister. Um, and seeing uh, uh, the mayor t um, talk about his his pain, yeah, um, or his hurts, and say you know he t he has a, mo a monologue where he talks about his you don't know me if you don't you know you don't know my pain you don't know my hurts and stuff that yeah. you don't really know me. Um, he, you know, Spike, like you said, it's all, it's all on the page. And so it's like, uh, crazy <laughs> how it's so natural, but also scripted. I'm just, my mind can't wrap itself around that of how like perfectly balanced this script is. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not, and it's not done in an, um, it's not written in an overly obvious way. Just the the way that some of the dialogue happens as is foreboding to what happens much later in different yeah. scenes in different ways. Um, you know, sometimes the way um, 
writers or filmmakers put together things in terms of, you know, dropping the seed of what's going to happen later is, right. is really obvious. But the way Spike is, Spike, you know, wrote this movie, it's like the dialogue is so seamless. Mm. And it's just like when things happen, um, you're like, ah, you know. Um, yeah. I'm trying to see if I have any, I don't know if I have an example of that, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to see. There's, I know that's one of the things I've always thought, you know, the way that he he was able to foretell things in mm. in the action that was like almost like a double entendre the way it was written, you know? Yeah. Um, the, and, it, you know, he also, like he, they filling the frame, like uh, there was one shot where he's got Tawana told the truth, uh, oh, referencing yeah. the, the Tawana Brawley case. Um, he he infuses you know what's happening in the world into the film and it's you know that's exceptional the way he's crafted it you know yeah it makes you think you know it's uh, production design uh yeah. you know when thomas did an amazing amazing job but you know if you look at if you look at the film I would say, you know, watch it two times or watch it three times. You know, you're yeah. going to get something different each time you get it. You're going to get more detail. There's so much detail in, in the movie in every frame of the film. Uh, Absolutely. It's just beautiful. It's so rich throughout the whole thing between, you know, the characters, the language, the the way that it's written and the way that the frames are so full. It's just so layered and and full and like I mean it's true like there are I got about halfway through this film and I was like I gotta watch this again like I'm I think I'm missing aspects that like I would see a second time around because it's it's true it's so full like from start to finish totally and the explosion at the end you know when things just mm. kind of spiral out of control and they to see the neighborhood go in. Well, there's a lot of points, a lot of aspects of, about the action, you know, um, you know, Mookie's been working for Sal for such a long time. And then radio Rahim, um, this is a spo spoiler, I guess. If you're going oh, to go for it, it. Yeah. You know, radio Rahim gets killed. That's, you know, that's what makes everything kind of pop off. Mm -hmm. at, at the end um, you know Mookie is the first person to kind of set it off by throwing the trash can through the, the front window of the pizzeria right and which is kind of you know interesting shocking yeah um, surprising but you know um, you know I guess once uh once you get to a point of that snapping point, you know, things, everyone snaps, you know, Sal 
in that moment with Radio Rahim and Bugging Out when they come in and confront Sal to put some black people on the wall. Yeah. And and Sal ends up losing it and smashes uh, the radio, Radio Rahim's yeah. radio. And there's that moment like, oh shit. What's, yeah. What, you know, there was a long pregnant moment of like, oh shit, what's going to happen? Everybody's kind of like shocked and, uh, and then that, that was the, that was the match that lit the gasoline, so to speak. Yeah. And everything just went out of control from there. Yeah, literally. And it is, it is a bit shocking. I mean, it's very shocking, um, that, you know, it, it does bubble over in that way. And then there's all this kind of chaos and destruction and, you know, obviously with Radio Rahim, like that whole thing could have been avoided and you're angry and it's chaotic and you feel all these things. And I think what's really interesting for me is that like everybody goes home and then you wake up the next day and you kind of get this feeling of like, we've moved past it. That's over now. Mm, I don't know. No? Well, I know, uh, you know, the mayor wakes up at, at uh, Mother Sister's right. uh, place and, and he says, oh, I hope the block is still there. Right. <laughs> and, and she says, oh, we're, we're still standing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, from that, in that sense, uh, you know, you do have to wake up and kind of go on, right? Regardless yeah. of what Happened. happened in out in the world you, you know you're still standing so then you know yeah you, you gotta you gotta go on i thought it was really interesting um that mookie goes back to try to get his money yeah after he's broken the window and everything yeah i was too <laughs> you know i that's kind of bold on his part a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah just the idea of like you know, after everything that's happened and being the the first person to kind of throw the punch at this establishment and then being like, oh, well, I have to go get, you know, my pay from the week. He said he was going to pay me and then he never did. In my mind, I'd be like, that money is burnt. That money is gone. Yeah, like- <laughs> well, Sal says, you know, that would not, not even begin to pay for the window you broke. Right. You know. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, it's just the way that Spike constructs the story, it allows it to unfold in other other ways. And Sal gets that um, monologue talking about how he built that place with, it's not about money, it's about, you know, history yeah. and the fact that he used his own hands to build every aspect of yeah. that pizzeria. You know, it's interesting. You, you, you don't see Sal as being racist throughout the film you see him kind of being more open and tolerant yeah um you know he has a an affection for mookie's sister um innocent affection you know right he just likes her <laughs> but everyone else there's this one long shot of um in slow motion of mookie and uh pino sal's son <laughs> watching sal talk to um Mookie's sister in like what the hell right. 
is going on here, you know, and Mookie takes her out to kind of say, you know, don't come back here. I don't like the way he, he's looking right. at you. And it sounds like, what the, what are you, what are you thinking? You know? Right. Uh, he's just, you know, he just likes her as a person, but it, you know, that allows you to kind of see all of the complexities of, uh, race and relationship and, yeah, you know. I th- I think that's what makes it a little heartbreaking that Sal's burns down too is that Sal has sa- has said in the movie like these people have never done anything to me they've you know they buy my pizza every single day I have fed these people for 25 years and like that makes me so proud and then for this huge explosion to happen at the end because he also has like come to the end of his rope in some he, way he, lose, he loses it he yeah. snaps and he uses the n word yeah, you which know. is really like heartbreaking. Like, no, Sal, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. So, the you know that's the thing. It's everybody gets to a breaking point, and um, if you get to that point of no return, then you know bad things happen. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to pack into a movie and also have it be visually stunning, like. And also have it be like culturally relevant for such a long time, both fortunately and unfortunately. Like you know, like does that make sense? does that make sense? That sounds terrible. It's a lot to like. pack into a movie, and it's a lot to unpack. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of information to unpack in that. Absolutely. But, um, you know, Radio Rahim. You know, uh, has that monologue where he talks about. Uh, the two hands, like yeah. uh, love and hate, mm-hmm. the rings that are on his two hands, and the battle between the two. And uh, you know, the end of a, his monologue, he talks about hate being KO'd by love. Yeah. Right? But um, that's that's the thing about this film. It's and even from the opening of the movie, it's like you're dealing with. Um, the issues of violence and non and nonviolence, uh, you know, Martin Luther King versus, yeah, uh, Malcolm X. Uh, yes, Malcolm X. And you know, there's almost two endings to the movie too, because after that, um, after the the riot at the pizza parlor, Smiley get goes in and he puts thumbtacks yeah. the picture of Martin and Malcolm up on the wall, mm-hmm. and that's like. You, th- you almost think that's the end of the movie. That's okay. That's, you know, they finally got yeah. their person on the wall. But then uh, basically you get the epilogue after that with seeing what happened in the neighborhood and seeing uh, the mayor, mother, sister, Sal, you know, and, and Mookie the morning after. Yeah. Um, and then that's the real, that's the reality of moving on. It's like, yeah, cleaning, life cleaning, goes cleaning, on. Yeah, cleaning up, moving on, and and trying to get back to to life. Yeah, so good. It's an Just, amazing. It's an amazing movie. <laughs> Absolutely, an amazing and so movie. complex. Yeah. Oh and, man. You know, th- you know, uh, in terms of a story, but then also just as a as a film as a film maker and as a as a film that's not only stands the test of time, but, you know, it's in the Library of Congress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well-deserving of. 
Well, I know we're kind of getting close to the end of our time together, and it's I feel fun. like I didn't know what I was going to really say. I, I know, <laughs> you know, I've never thought about the movie uh, in such in a critical way. The way that we get to talk about it now, yeah, it's hard to arg- organize my thoughts about it. For sure, but it's it's it's. I think you know, in the landscape of film, it's it's an, it's it's a, one of the biggies. Yeah, I'd uh, say so. Yep. Yeah. Like between cultural importance and and just overall filmmaking in general, it feels like I I can't go, I just can't believe that I haven't seen this movie sooner in all of my education. Like that feels like the worst. Like I should have seen this yeah. movie like five years ago. And Spike Spike teaches at NYU now, and so, you know, can you imagine being a student and actually <laughs> having him as a professor? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I would lose it. I would lose it. Oh my gosh. I mean, those are some privileged kids. Oh my gosh. So privileged. I wish. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from the master. Absolutely. I mean, so where, where can we find you? What are you doing next? You know, do you have anything coming up that we should be looking out for? Um, I, I have some roles, on uh, uh, Sony pictures and Amazon uh, a series that is coming out, I can't mention yet. Okay. But uh, if you go to my website, benmio.com, uh, you can kind of keep up with me there. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, I'm always looking for the next project, great project. So if anybody <laughs> is looking for an actor, I'm uh, up for a good challenge always. <laughs> you hear, heard it here first, folks. Exactly. He's ready. You know how to get me now. You know right. How to find me. <laughs> amazing well i can't thank you enough for coming on the show i know we've had some scheduling conflicts and i'm glad we could finally sit down and do this because it was very it feels very rewarding to kind of talk about this film in a critical way and yeah just i just really wanted to thank you i feel like this was so important oh it's great being here you know it's great to, to kind of look back on on some of the fun and important uh films and projects that have kind of had uh, an impact in Absolutely. my, you know, in your direction, in my direction anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're welcome back anytime and just thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you too. Appreciate it. Another huge thank you to Ben Mio McRae for coming on the show and talking about one of his favorite films, Do the Right Thing which is, of course, a Spike Lee joint. And I I could not think of any other film to do this week, especially, like I said, with how I've been feeling. And, and honestly, even just listening back to the interview, I feel like it's so important in these times that we, you know, remember movies like this and remember that, you know, things do need to change and that, having discussions like this and 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 also having discussions with those around us are so important and i could not thank ben mio enough for coming on the show and being able to speak in such a critical way and he speaks so in such a lovely way about this film and i just honestly i could have just like leaned back and just listened to him speak about this film cuz it was just so lovely and wonderful to have him, of course. Um, 
And so I know I've been kind of, uh, it's been kind of a different vibe this week. I won't lie. Um, However, of course, we do have our staples of the show. If you like this episode, we do have three other seasons plus a summer session that you can listen to. Um, Of course, our seasons are 13 episodes long, so we are already past the halfway point for this season. We are coming close to... um, summer break. Uh, It's just right around the corner and uh, bittersweet, I'll tell you that. But um, the work continues here. And so in the meantime, while you're waiting for new episodes and for the rest of the season to come out, you can go ahead and listen to those. Additionally, you can follow us on Instagram at scopophilia underscore podcast. And then also we do have a TikTok page, which is at scopophilia, the podcast. The TikTok is a little more silly, and the Instagram is where I post all of the updates and things that are coming up with the show, of course. Um, Additionally, we do also have merchandise that you can buy for the show, which of course helps us out. But we have hats, we have shirts, and we have tote bags that you can all find on our uh, show page, which is at www.nc podcasts.com slash scopophilia. But there is also a link in my bio if that is too much for you to type out. I understand. And of course, since you're already on the internet, you might as well do one little little tiny thing, teensy tiny thing for me, um, which is just uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the show because of course it always helps us out a lot. And I love hearing from you guys. And uh, we want to keep the conversation going. So make sure that you're telling your friends and your family and your family of friends and your friends of family about the show. Uh, because like I said, we want to keep the conversation going. And uh, I just love hearing you guys, you know, discuss. And I love discussing movies. So you might as well just hop on into the conversation. As always, I'm your host, Becky Teller, leading the millennial movie movement here on Scopophilia, and I'll see you all next Friday. Bye!